Welcome to episode 70 of the Daniel Yours podcast with today's guest, Bailey Lau. Let's go. Welcome back to the podcast, everybody. Joined here today by Bailey Lau, who very special to speak with you, Bailey. Thanks for joining me here today. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing really well. Always the awkward part. We say hello again after we already said hello. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> What's going on? How are things? Uh, how are things out west? Good weather all over the place, just as we, you know, can't expect, but expect, you know. What what's it like right now? We've we've had a hot spell this week. It's been like in the twenties, almost in the thirties this week. Yeah, you know what? It snowed on Tuesday. Oh my! Uh, God. It melts almost instantly. Um, and then yesterday was I think it was plus twenty. That's Today's crazy. Today's a little bit cloudy, but still, ah, it's all over the place. It's you know, the swings but are the swings are. Happens, that's what happens when you live in Alberta. <clears throat> have you have you always lived in Alberta? I have, yeah. And is and is there any plans of ever leaving Alberta, ever not living in Alberta? No, no. Nothing wrong with that either. Nothing wrong with that at all. Good. Um, give people a, just a quick little intro. Who are you and, and what is it you do? And then we'll kind of get into everything else. Yeah. Well, like you said, my name, Bailey Lau. Um, my personal trainer, I've been training for three years, uh, just over three years. Um, yeah, I guess started off in sports, wanted to help people. Um, and that's sort of where my career has taken me after I was done school. Um, yeah. Awesome. I mostly work with, with women. I have a few male clients that I train, but mostly women. Uh, and I don't specialize, but I do train for strength. Um, all of my clients train for strength. Right. Right. And I think that's something that we're going to get into a little bit more detail with as opposed, as far as the training for strength versus aesthetics or, you know, whatever, whatever you, what else you want to call it. Um, what sports did you play as a kid that kind of led you into, into just, you know, fitness in general? Um, you know what? My mom put me in everything as a kid. I did tap dance, uh, gymnastics, karate, basketball, volleyball, um, obviously soccer. I still play soccer and volleyball today. Um, swimming, just like, you know, the whole lot of, of sports keep me busy and stuff. But yeah, I, I stuck with volleyball until high school. And then once I graduated from high school, um, I play rec league still this co-ed rec league. <clears throat> Um, and then for soccer, I actually played um, in the ACAC, which is um, college level. So I played for four years. And now I play, after I graduated, I continue playing women's league. So I still do that now. Nice. Pretty fun. Not, yeah, not as competitive, obviously, as college level, but still really enjoyable. Meet lots of new people. Yeah. yeah. And a good, good way to good way to stay active always as well. And, and I think, you know, you tell me if, if this is something for you, but it maintains that competitiveness. Something that I miss from playing soccer is not so much like actual soccer, but it's, it's two things, the team environment and competing physically against other people. Do you feel the same? Yeah. yeah, totally. It's a, it's a mindset, you know, you get ready for the game, you start to sweat a little bit, um, excited to just, yeah, compete against other people, but it's still, um, still fun. Yeah, of course. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure that in in some of those, I, I used to referee as well. So in some of the women's leagues and the men's leagues, there's there are people who are definitely out there not for fun and take it way too seriously. <laughs> and and sometimes you know you run into injury problems. And definitely there's been plenty of actual fights, which always blows my mind. Like why would you want to come play soccer on Sunday night and get into a fight with a random person you don't even know or care about? <laughs> but 
It's, yeah, yeah, uh, I don't see the purpose either, but uh, it it also depends on what league you're playing in and what level you're at. I find <clears throat> high level skilled players don't normally do that kind of stuff because it's a clean, fun game. Um, it's when you get down into the rec leagues where people, for whatever reason, you know, the rules are more important then. And yeah, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Egos, egos and attitudes all over the place taking over the the aspect of just having fun, I think. Yeah, yeah. So then where did that where how did that transition into into fitness? When did you get into the gym and and how did you fall in love with fitness? Yeah, well, um I actually I went from playing tier 4 when like a small town which is I don't know if, if uh that works the same as it does in in other provinces and stuff, but tier 4 is um it's still competitive, but it's it's not highly competitive. Um <clears throat> So I went from that and then I moved to a new city. I was hoping to move up, um, obviously was really nervous. I think I was 15 years old. Um, so my mom actually purchased personal training sessions for me. Um, so I went through that and then, you know, yeah, they expect a lot more out of you once you, uh, when you move, just like, you know, one, two divisions up and they expect a lot, of, a lot out of you. Um, so yeah, our coach, we had to do lots of sprints. I always remember that, that was the fastest I ever got. <laughs> Um, and then, uh, yeah, he expected us to run outside of soccer games and practices and then of course more practicing. So, um, I just, I liked running to start off with because I knew that there was obviously that, um, carryover into the sport, being able to, um, keep going throughout the game and play longer shifts. And then, um, just like challenging myself. It was really fun to see, oh, my 5k, you know, dropped two minutes or whatever from last month. So that was kind of fun. Um, and then when I went into um, university, I played my first to fourth year on the team there um, at uh, University of Alberta Augustana campus. Um, <clears throat> so we had a team trainer. And of course, you know, during preseason and stuff, they did all this fitness testing. I walked into my first year being like, you know, of course, I wasn't the worst shape. Um, but I was just like, well, you know, this is this is a lot harder. You know, I'm going to have to put more work in outside of soccer in order to improve my skill and be able to start. Um, so then, yeah, during the offseason, our trainer gave us um, outlines and things to work on. And then next season coming into the fitness testing, I was a lot more prepared. And it, it any talking to any athlete, you know, if you come in prepared you know, fitness level wise, your game, it's like a whole nother level. Right. Um, so then, yeah, during the off season, I realized how much performance in the gym affected my performance on the field. Um, so it was kind of just, it clicked. I was like, well, oh, this is fun. Um, and then, yeah, I started actually lifting weights rather than just training running. Um, and then, uh, yeah, I, I guess I graduated and um, it was one of my outlets going to the gym. Of course, I sort of had an advantage because I there was less guesswork with me um, because I had a trainer um, for the team. I was training for performance. I had direction, all that kind of stuff. Um, but, you know, you still make those beginner-ish mistakes, right? Um, and I actually worked as a physio aide for six months after I graduated from university and then realized that I, it just wasn't for me. You know, I wasn't seeing 
um, there wasn't fulfillment on my end because I wasn't helping people directly. Mm -hmm. Um, so realize that quickly. Also people that are in a physio office normally aren't in the greatest mood because they're in pain. Um, so the environment just wasn't super happy, which is expected. Right. Um, so then, yeah, I just started looking for, um, something more fulfilling. And then, uh, yeah, I started, I started training at a commercial gym. And, yeah, it's 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 an interesting and probably different path into the gym than most people. Maybe not as uncommon uh, amongst coaches, where you know some uh, many trainers and coaches have come from some other sport where we started training to get stronger, get faster, get better at our sport or whatever it was, and then that transitioned into a career and just you know lifestyle fitness, if you will. Whereas most people and and, and most people probably listening to this will will have gone to the gym in order to lose weight, improve confidence and like, and all those other things, which are, which are not wrong, obviously, but just different, different things that bring us into the gym. So, so it's an interesting thing that, that brought you to the gym. Now you mentioned that your mom, uh, bought those personal training lessons for you or or sessions for you. Was that while you were playing in university or was that before, before you started training in university? Yeah, no, that was, uh, in high school. Okay. Bought those personal trainings for me. Yeah. Yeah. She, you know, most supportive mom ever. I know everyone says that, but <laughs> well, it's true. You know, and and it's so like, and so your mom bought those for you. Was that for soccer or was that for something for something else? No, it was for soccer. Um, I was like I said, I was moving up a division or a tier, or whatever. Um, so I was really nervous. I, you know, so she to ease my conscience a little bit. Um, the skill was there, but I I needed a little bit more ease of the conscience in terms of my fitness and and you know, wanting to actually make the team. So yeah. Yeah. Fitness can certainly be the the differentiator. Like even I think maybe an obvious example of this might be in like combat sports where, you know, two fighters who are at the equal skill level, the the fighter who's like bigger, stronger and faster, assuming, you know, they're at the same weight, of course they will win like nine times out of 10. Right. There's, I was thinking about this today when I was walking, people think about martial arts. Oh, it's about small people beating up big people. And it's like, well, it's about small trained people beating up big untrained people. So there, so there's, those are different things. And obviously like there's no beating up anyone in soccer, but if people are equal skill level, like you've got to improve your, your fitness, your speed, your strength on the ball and like, and all that kind of stuff as well. So it's nice to see that in soccer and you know coming through in Ontario as well. Like our division stuff is a little bit different than it would be in, in Alberta, but it's all, you know, similar enough. Um, how fitness is actually becoming a, a bigger part of it from a younger age. There's even a couple of very young kids who I train, you know, they're like 11 years old. And they're, you know, they're not doing anything, anything crazy, but they are already realizing and their parents and their teams are realizing that this physical, the physical ability is part of their development as, as players and as like, as athletes in general. And so it's it's always, it's always super nice to see that. Yeah, actually I have a, a client, she plays competitive basketball, she's about 14 years old. Um, same thing, her, her grandpa thought that it would be a good idea for her to come into the gym and she's made large, uh, performance betterments, however you say, um, but her confidence Mm -hmm. in her abilities is made a huge difference. And at that age, a young girl, um, it's a, it's a big thing for her to be able to be confident in her abilities when she's on the, on the court. Yeah, absolutely. Confidence is is a huge part. And I think especially it, it might even be more important for, for girls at that age where there's such different growth spurts and this happens with boys too but there's such different growth spurts that you know one girl who grows six inches over the summer and comes back 
especially in sport like basketball where height is a massive advantage. Like you've <laughs> got to have that, you got to have that confidence as well as the injuries and the, the knee injuries that we see in, in young female athletes. And so training like good movement patterns and building up some actual strength is, is going to go, is going to go so far in their career. If it does nothing other than keep them injury free or like less likely to get injured. Yeah. You know what? I came out of my four years playing in the ACAC with, I, I, it was an overuse injury, so I wouldn't really consider it like a, a huge issue. Um, it was pretty easily fixed. Um, so I, I was one of the lucky ones, but it had a lot to do with how much effort I was putting in um, training outside of the sport. Right. Yeah. And, yeah. and there you go. Right. It's like you, you still got injured. And of course, you know, injuries are part of sports. So like it, it is what it is, but you want to minimize them and avoid them as much as as much as possible. And through those growing years, those puberty years, like ACL tears in young female athletes are are crazy high right and and, and will ne- that will never get to zero because it's, again it's kind of just part of the sport and it happens in boys too but less less so um but uh yeah minimizing it and improving recovery times afterwards is is a huge huge part of it yeah totally. were there were there a lot of girls that you played with that had a lot of injuries um yeah <laughs> um i remember one i was fairly close to her when it happened on the field and she tore her ACL trying to change direction. Mm-hmm. There was all, there was no defenders around her. She just changed direction. And then, yeah, it was, um, I was just in shock because, you know, she was in good shape. Um, her joints were comforted by lots of musculature and she was strong. Um, but again, it just, she just moved wrong just once. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes, sometimes that's all it takes. That's all. That's how it goes. I had a professor once who told me, three things guaranteed in life is death taxes and athletic injuries. And I was like, yeah, man, <laughs> sounds about right. But you know what? Um, the injury, depending on the injury, I, I love the sport. I wouldn't regret. I don't regret anything. Yeah. hundred percent. What, what injuries did you have? Um, I had a, a psoas iliacus, like my hip flexor, mm. uh, just excess tightness from uh, a gait pattern issue. Right. Yeah. So of course, athletic therapy fixed that up pretty quick. Um, it was just a small, tiny, tiny movement. Um, and it doesn't even bug me anymore. So, right. And that's, and that sounds like one of those things where if you didn't address it, it might just kind of nag you for forever. And it's probably something that, you know, you just had to change the way you move <clears throat> or your body kind of biomechanically operated itself to, to prevent that from happening. Is that correct to yeah. say? Yeah, I know hundred percent. Yeah. I will say, um, you know, I, I saw a physiotherapist for it um, after the season ended, because, of course, athletes, anything for the game. I pretended that nothing was wrong um, until after the season. And then uh, saw a physiotherapist, just like personal trainers, any any uh, industry. Some people are good at their jobs, some a little neglectful. Um, so that didn't quite help. But um, but the athletic therapy, yeah, 100 percent. She she was really good. It's actually funny that you mentioned that because in, in my injury history as well, it's also been an athletic therapist who was like the most helpful for me as well. And again, you know, not to, not to kind of shit on other professions, obviously there's good and bad people at every profession, but athletic therapy is kind of like lower ranked sometimes on the, on the list, just because they don't have the fancy title of doctor or whatever, or people are generally not as as certain about what they do. But, um, but yeah, it just goes to show like it's the individual that matters more than, more than the title 
yeah, cool. physio, athletic therapy, whatever. It's they're all just different tools to to essentially accomplish the same goal. So yeah, exactly. interesting that, that happens. Yeah. Well, I have a kinesiology degree, so I don't know how many times people have asked me, "What is that? <laughs> what do you do with that?" And I'm like, "Well, I mean, kinesiology. You can go in to be a kinesiologist, but." Nine times out of ten, it's a stepping stone degree to be a physical therapist for yeah. most people. Yeah, yeah, I I right. feel the same. I I also have a, a kin degree, and it's like, oh, what does a kinesiologist do? And I I honestly I don't really know. <laughs> I know that there is a job that's a kinesiologist, and it's kind of so. In my estimation of it, is it's something similar to a physio aide. You work in a clinic, and you're kind of like prescribing exercises in somewhat of a rehabilitative environment but yeah. but i'm not sure i'm not sure why that would be yeah, like the end end stage yeah yeah it's closer to a physical therapy assistant rather than an aide right um yeah prescribe exercises um that i know of and i never actually worked as a kinesiologist so yeah neither have i is is a kinesiologist a regulated profession in alberta because i know it, it recently became so in ontario but yeah, it is in Alberta. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the the only thing that I so I never got my Arkin is the designation in Ontario. There was like an exam or something you have to take afterwards, and uh, I just never bothered to get it because I was like, I don't even know what this is, and it's not what I'm going to do. So you know why go through it? Um, however, during the pandemic, because it was a regulated profession, being a registered kinesiologist was like an exemption to be able to. Uh, continue training people in in person and so that was when i was like sort of kicking myself in the butt a little bit like wow if i had just done that exam which would have basically given me nothing until pandemic time it would have been regulated and i would have been allowed to train people in person so i guess there's some some value to it but hopefully that doesn't doesn't ever come back 2020 right yeah yeah exactly (laughs) it will hopefully we don't go back to what happened in 2020 but (laughs) no don't want that I, I want to start to to speak about like this this mentorship and coach aspects. Or you mentioned your your mom had had pushed you or, or purchased personal trainer sessions for you. Was your mom into fitness? And like, how did that all kind of tie in? And how does your mom kind of guide you, or did she guide you into into your career now? You know what? Uh, at the time of you know choosing which direction I wanted to go, I didn't think she had anything to do with it. But looking back, I'm like. Yeah, totally. She 100% was the person that pushed me in this direction, even unintentionally. Um, she was really into fitness. Um, <clears throat> she she ran, she did the curbs thing when that was popular, um, really liked kickboxing. She tried everything. Um, she just, she liked to move. She liked to be uh, challenged in terms of her fitness. Um, and she actually, she took me to classes when I was in high school. Um I'm sure you've heard of Zumba. Mm-hmm. I'm not a good dancer, but she took me to those classes anyway. Um, and then uh, I don't know if you've heard of Kango jumps. I haven't not not heard, haven't heard of that one. Okay, it's like a you essentially wear like moon boots and you jump around. It is um, okay. choreographed, so <clears throat> again, I wasn't super great at it, but it was it was pretty tough cardio. So yeah, she um, she took me to all these classes and. Uh, yeah, she was, yeah, she just had a big impact on me wanting to be good at things for the sake of performance. Right. No, she never once commented on, you know, my physicality or that I needed to improve something or, or whatever. Just the, the aspect of health was all she was concerned about. So that had a big impact. Yeah. And I'm sure, I'm sure you're even realizing it now, like 
into your career as you see more people and even some some younger girls how how rare that that actually is from parents of their own children or or adults to other children who are not their children where again especially with girls we we comment on appearance physical physical appearance and we don't celebrate or promote physical ability in instead of instead of appearance so the huge credit to your mom for 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 doing that whether it was intentional or unintentional it, it definitely shaped a, a lot and had a massive positive influence on you yeah i will say she was tough on me i you know a few times home from soccer games she was she was realistic and <laughs> um, she wanted me you know to perform my best and put my all in so performance doesn't performance doesn't have to be you know beating around the bush and and being nice like we still want to we still want to demand excellence as well just because you know we're not saying to a to a little kid oh you're you know you're fat and ugly it doesn't mean you can't say like you know you're slow and weak <laughs> these are okay it's just we can we can improve on the on the slow and the weak thing right and and that's and and as we should yeah well she was she never said anything like she was very constructive yeah. about it but yeah. uh you need to try harder that's yeah. what she did to me all the time yeah, yeah. Using a little bit too uh, too direct words there, but 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 same same principle, right? It's just yeah, yeah. training to, for performance. So, how do you define training for performance? And and you mentioned off the top that most of your tri- most of your clients train for strength. In in your definition, like what does that mean for you? And how do you organize your training for your clients? Um, I just look at you know where they started and how they're getting better at things it don't, doesn't always have to be strength of course um things like technique and range of motion all that kind of stuff is also Im- improving um but i enjoy training for performance because um it's a way to challenge yourself right like you mentioned before it's nice to be competitive but sometimes you don't need to be competitive with other people in order to better yourself, right? You can be competitive with yourself um, and just uh, expect um, to get better, essentially. Um, So with my clients, most of them come in um, because they're women. They're looking to tone up, you know, the definition of that, (laughs) lose fat and increase muscle mass. Um, So yeah, I just... I focus on how they're feeling um, that day, when we can push, when we sort of, we're never coasting, of course, um, but when we can push harder and push less in order to just get better at things just as a whole. And do you define their success or or their programming by hitting certain numbers? Do you focus on like hitting, you know, X squat or X deadlift or, you know, whatever it is, do you, do you try and define those and have something to to aim at that is tangible and numerical? Um, no, because most of the time when they come in, they don't have those numbers in mind. So I'm not going to try and force something on them that they don't really care for. When we do hit those milestones, like, a, you know, hundred pound squat, 200 pound deadlift, whatever, we still celebrate them, but it's not one of our short-term goals unless they have something like that in mind. Um, I do have a few clients where they've been training with me for two years. So now they look at the numbers and they, um, they put a little bit more emphasis on wanting to hit goals like that. Um, but I am just focused on them being consistent, um, showing up to the gym, putting in the work, um, and also mental progress is a big thing. Um, constantly they say things not so nice about themselves. So I'm, I'm really harsh about negative self-talk. 
um, I'm not going to make someone feel silly for talking like that, but um, just making sure that, you know, be nice to yourself. You talk about like that. You talk about yourself like that out loud. I can't imagine what's going on on the inside. Hmm. Right. So that's another thing where they don't necessarily ask me to help them with it, but it's always just a, a, a point I make. Yeah, it's like the, the side job of all trainers is also being a, a therapist to, to, to an extent an, yeah, yeah. An unqualified and not on purpose a therapist. But I, I think, I think we say that word because it's something that we all understand, but I think what really we are is just someone who is willing and able to listen. And I think that that's maybe a better, I've said this many times, but there's, there's not many conversations that we have that are one-on-one regularly with another person. Even if it's like your parent, sibling, significant other, whoever, we don't have that many, let's just sit down and have a conversation. But with your trainer, you know, they come in two, three, four times a week. You got that one hour to just, you know, yeah, you're training and it's not just like you're, you know, shooting the shit the whole time. You're doing your thing, but there is a lot of time just to talk and to develop that, that connection and things come up and, and it influences the training. I'm sure you've seen this as well with your clients where they come in and they're just not having a great day and their performance that day is just, it's just not there and that's okay, yeah. but you got to dial things back to get as much as you can out of that day. Yeah, hundred percent. And, you know, I do that to myself. I think most athletes do that where they're pretty hard on themselves. They're always expecting to get better. Um, but so, you know, I, I preach it. You no, know, some days are better than others. Um, you made it to the gym. You're still working hard for what you have in the tank today. Um, you don't have to be feel guilty about it or anything like that. We'll do better um, the next time. But for right now, give what you can and then we'll move forward. So I, I have to apply that to myself sometimes. And of course, Andrew reminds me of that as well. <laughs> so, yeah, it's, it's, it's always harder to like, listen to our own advice than it is to, than it is to give that advice because there's such an emotional attachment to it. Like, of course, you know, that you, of course we all know that we should <laughs> be nice to ourselves and, you know, be positive and like be consistent and like do all the things. And, and we can say that a million times, but to do it for yourself is like, it's just a different game because there's that emotional aspect that takes over that, that logic that's applied to that. So, uh, you know, that, that's why it's so beneficial to, for all of us to have a coach and yourself, you just mentioned Andrew, Andrew Coates, who is your coach and business partner and mentor as well. And, and that's such a huge, uh, benefit to you, I'm sure. And, and, and just talk a little bit about that and how that helps you in your, in your gym performance and then professionally as well. Yeah, well, you know, I I thought about hiring a trainer for quite a few months before I actually acted on it, which is normal for a lot of people anyway. Um, and I thought, um, you know, I'm doing well in the gym. I'm pushing myself. I'm constantly getting better. And then a few months into training with Andrew, I was like, was I not pushing myself? Was I not trying hard enough? So it's just, you know, it, he gave that little extra kick of I expect more out of you. Um, you're not going to cheap out today. We're going to go through the whole process. And it did, it wasn't even, you know, I was having a bad day and he pushed me through it anyway. It was nothing like that. It was just mentally. I'm like, Oh, you know, 10 is good for today, which everybody does that. Mm -hmm. Um, you're less likely to do it. If someone's standing there saying, no, you're doing 12. I know you can do it. You're doing 12. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so yeah, he's had a big impact on, um, my training as a whole, I have gotten quite a bit stronger. Um, and uh, also my coaching. I actually had a client after I started training with Andrew tell me, yeah, you've uh, you've changed a little bit your programming. And mm-hmm. I'm like, well, 
I, that sort of makes sense. It was less um, making sure they did 10 and pushing the weight up. And if we got eight, we got eight. If you could push to 10, we got 10. Um, so yeah, it, it had a huge impact in it and still does. Like he obviously still mentors me. I still train with him. Um, and we have our program together forever strength. So yeah. Yeah. There's, there's a huge accountability aspect to having a coach and it's like, if it's not the biggest factor or the one of it's one of the biggest benefits I think of having a trainer is that anyone can write a program and, and there's plenty of like bad programs out there. So I'm not saying like that, that's one of the harder parts, but anyone, anyone can write a program, but two people can be following the same program. And one of them is being coached and one of them is being not coached. And those two people will get wildly different results out of their, out of their programming. I think a great testament to this is even like Westside Barbell and the way Louis Simmons did stuff where it's like, they just published all the stuff that they did because he said, well, our environment and our training and our coaching is just different. So you can look at what our workouts on paper, but you're not going to get the same results as we are. So like you can hear, here, have it. It's free. Go for it. Yeah. And yeah. and I think that that's huge, right? It's it's just those little, because it's those little extra, those little extra things are the things that matter the most. The day where you could have got 12, but you stopped at 10 just because, ah, oh, that, you know, it said 10. The day you probably should have gone up by five pounds, but, mm, you know, 100 sounded good today instead of 105 or, or whatever it was. <laughs> yeah. It's like, okay, yeah, that's enough. But that person just like constantly correcting those little things and, and having an outside eye because someone else can see what you're doing much better than much better than you can. Well, obviously you can't really see what you're, <laughs> what you're doing, but yeah. someone else can, can guide you much better than you can guide yourself and just be objective about it. Yeah. Yeah. And um, like I said, I've been a trainer for three years. Andrew's been a trainer for 11 and a half. Um, so he's got some experience on me for sure. Mm -hmm. um, so that that makes a difference. Experience with people in real life is, um, is really beneficial for a trainer. What do you mean by that? I just mean, you know, you can learn all this theory in school. And, you know, I went to school for four years. That doesn't mean I'm any better of a trainer than someone that did a short-term personal training certification, right? Um, of course, the knowledge helps. We want to know why, uh, when, and how. Um, but that doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to be able to go through a program with someone that says, you know, that says they have shoulder pain um, <clears throat> and all the theory can tell you, oh, maybe you shouldn't be doing this or this should be okay for them. And it's not. Whereas, you know, if you can try different things and the more that you know about different people and the, um, the anatomy of the shoulder, the more you're going to be able to help them right then and there. Oh, that should have worked. It didn't. Let's try this. Whereas theory, you're like, this should work. Why isn't it working? And that's sort of where it ends, right? Yeah, yeah, hundred percent, hundred agree with that. You, I think when we learn things in theory in school, it can only be taught in a general sense. You can say that you know, on average across the population, if this, then that. But that also, because it's applied to the population, like it almost applies to no single individual, right? And so you have to coach like the person in front of you and someone who's like you know, training themselves, coaching themselves, like just because you saw some video on, on Instagram, but like, Oh, this will work. Maybe it won't work for you. And you have to like take that individual approach. So like that, that real life experience definitely works when you apply it to yourself as well. I think yeah. another part of that is just that there's never, there's never enough learning that can be done. Like, yes, we have a degree and you've had years of coaching and, and same as myself, but then you get to 
you know, you get to learn from someone like Andrew who's been in it for years. And Andrew would say the same about, you know, some of his mentors who have been in it for twice as long as he has, and he's still learning things from them. And it just kind of like never stops. And there's always more and more to learn and more and more to apply to all of this stuff. Yeah, exactly. And there's, there's very few industries where there isn't more information almost all the time, right? And ours is no exception. There's constantly new information. Um, something that we thought a couple of years ago, even um, there's new case studies out and research on it and you know, things change. So if you're not going into your job, wanting to keep learning, you're not good at your job. You're not going to be able to help people. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Well said. What are some things, if anything, that you've changed your mind on as far as your training goes, as far as your coaching goes in the last couple of years or so? Yeah. Um, I would say I used to do a lot of group training. Um, and I, I sort of, you know, I knew that it wasn't the most effective thing to do circuit training all the time. You don't get me wrong. Any movement is good movement. Um, I just want people to be active because obviously there's a problem. Um, um, so yeah, I, I used to lots of circuit training and I know that it's beneficial for some people to just stay active and stuff, but, um, and of course group training is less expensive. So if someone they wanted to move, they don't know how, and they want to do something that just costs less just to do something. There's no problem with that, but there it's definitely, I've seen a larger change in clients that do personal training with me, um, one-on-one where I can watch them directly, push them a little bit harder. Um, we can do more compound lifts because doing deadlifts with a group of people, <laughs> not the easiest thing, especially with beginners. Um, so I haven't changed my mind. It's still, it's still good that they're moving. It's still effective. Um, but you definitely are going to get more out of one-on-one with a trainer, especially as a beginner. Yeah. yeah. You know what? Especially as any, any position in your training career. Yeah. No, no agreed. I, I almost think that, and maybe I might be a little bit like on the more extreme end of this opinion, but I think that these group classes should almost be reserved for like slightly more advanced people. I think that there should be some sort of like prerequisite. And I don't know how you would actually like do this in a, in a gym in that environment, but there mm-hmm. should be some sort of prerequisite for being allowed to be in that class because, you know, imagine, you know, how difficult it is to coach a, a brand new beginner, how to do like an RDL, which is a, a basic movement, but an important movement. And then try and coach that to 30 people in a room while you're screaming and then they've got an RDL, but they only have 45 seconds. Cause then they got to sprint on the treadmill and they got to do like a whole bunch of other stuff. And it's like, well, they're just, they're just not going to get it like ever. So I don't, I don't know. What do you think about that? No, I, I totally agree with that. Um, so form is really important form and, and technique. Um, so in those group classes, of course, you're not going to get as much out of it. Um, there's more risk of injury if you're not moving properly. And if someone hasn't coached you how to move properly and, you know, I saw a lot of women would come into the gym. They never played sports as a kid. Um, they weren't active and they didn't want to come into the gym until they were in their forties. They didn't know how to move. They also didn't know how they were moving. You know, you'd explain something to them verbally. You'd show them on yourself, um, even manipulating them with their permission to move them properly and it just doesn't click right especially not in the beginning it's a long process to teach someone how to hip hinge if they've been picking things up off the ground by flexing their spine their whole life right um 
so I agree with that. I, I like you said, there's no way to sort of put that into action. Like there's yeah. no way to put a prerequisite on it. Um, it's again up to the consumer to pick things that work. It's up to them to put the research into something. And if they want to get their money's worth, and that means spending a little bit more now so that they know how to move properly in working with a trained professional rather than walking into a group class um, and spending the same amount of money over a longer period of time. Um, it just depends on your priorities. Yeah, I, th- I think you summed that up well. And I would also add that it's almost not cheaper if you're going to get injured and not get as good results because you're going to be spending that you're going to spend that money anyways. And so how many, like, I'm sure you have a lot of clients who have been in these group classes for a while. And then they're just like, I just, you know, I got injured or I wasn't getting the results or I didn't like it. And then they come to you and then they spend more money obviously to, to be, to train with you in a one-on-one setting. And so it's like, you're going to, you're going to spend that money anyways. You're trying, you're spending this money to improve. And so if you're spending less money, but not improving, then that's not really helping you. You're just spending money for, for nothing. So you might as well spend a little bit more in order to get the results you're actually looking for. And that might be a hard idea to, to wrap one's head around where, you know, you go from doing nothing to spending a couple thousand dollars on a personal training package that like, that's not an easy jump. But if you really think about it logically, it does, it does make a little bit more sense. Yeah. Well, I mean, and even the clients, like you said, that start off with that and then decide who I better I better switch over to personal trainer so I can get some more one-on-one attention and help. Um, they, you know, a few weeks even into it. Um, and they're like, man, I can't believe I wasted in quotes so much of my time. Yeah. Right. It's always, it's always, it's so bittersweet when we hear that because it's like, it's sad that they've wasted again, quote unquote, wasted their money and time, but also you're happy because it means that like you're doing a good job and, and, and they're getting help. But, you know, we obviously don't want that for anyone. And I, and I would love for like a lot of clients to quote unquote graduate towards that group training thing. I don't really want any of my clients, and I don't know if you feel the same, I don't really want any of my clients to stay with me like for forever, unless yeah. they're an older person and they just, you know, they the company and like the money is not an issue for them or, you know, whatever the case may be, like, obviously it's okay, but I would love for like all of my clients to be able to develop some independence so that they can go to group classes and like work out efficiently and effectively and without getting injured. But, yeah. but that's a whole different, uh, whole different uh, discussion. I think just about yeah. longevity of clients. Yeah, no, I totally agree with that. I will say, um, as you train with something, there's something new that you can offer them. Of course, you don't have to make them reliant on you. Um, but you know, training with Andrew, I already know how to make a program. I didn't really need that from him. It's a mental break, of course. Um, I was pushing myself. Um, it might have been a slower process, but I was getting there. Um, so the the new things that the trainer adds value to your life, um, so long as they're a good trainer and they're paying attention to you and they, they value your time, um, they should be able to just keep adding things. But you're right. Um, essentially, we want them to be able to go to the gym on their own and, and take full responsibility of their own fitness and health. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. With, with that, how do you find that you continue to motivate yourself? So being held accountable but by Andrew, I guess, and your coach is probably part of that. But what are your real motivations that you're not training for soccer anymore where there's like some tangible goal at the end? It's just getting stronger for the sake of getting stronger, but how do you kind of internalize that and let that motivate you continually? 
you kind of took away my answer there. Um, <laughs> training to get better. I don't know. It's um, it's fun for me. I just like to, to see what my body can do. And of course, you know, we have lulls here and there. I actually I had to take, take it a little bit easy. Uh, a few months ago, I just sort of had a, a back injury quotes. Uh, again, I, I don't like the word injury. It makes you sound like you're out for the count, you know, but um, just so just something I had to take slow. And then I, once I got back to it, I was excited to to get back to where I was and then even further which I'm still in the process of doing. Um, but yeah, it's just, I have made it a habit to go to the gym. I like being at the gym, the environment, especially at the gym that I coach at, um, is just awesome to see all the people there, even to just, you know, while you're, while you're resting or whatever, um, look around and see what everyone can do there. Um, not to compare yourself or anything, but it's motivating. It's like, wow, that person can do that. I wonder what I can do. Yeah. Yeah, totally. It's, it's, it's more about like, Oh, not that guy or girl can deadlift 400 pounds. It's like, Oh, he or she is improving. I can improve too. He or she is like doing the thing here every day. Then I can do that too. And it's like, you know, when you have a, a gym family kind of thing, which, which it seems like you guys have the the videos I see of of yourself and Andrew and like, it's it's not a, like a massive gym where there's just a whole bunch of strangers there. It it looks like a, a large facility, but either way, uh, you know, you probably know most of the people there. And so, yeah. you know, if you're gone for two weeks, people are gonna be like, Hey, where's, where's Bailey been? Or if someone's, you know, missing yeah. for a couple of weeks, like, Oh, you know, you're, you're slacking off and they want, they want to hold you accountable because they want to see you there. See you getting better as well. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you know, Andrew's client, Larry, of course, I of don't course. I don't know him, but <laughs> everyone, I think everyone on social media knows Larry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Everyone loves Larry. He's the nicest guy. Um, actually he used to train after me. So I'd see him every week. I'd see Larry mm-hmm. and he, you know, he even made comments, Oh, you're, you're getting pretty strong. Um, and all that kind of stuff. And the only lift that I can outlift this man, keep in mind, he's 73 or something. I can't remember. Um, the only lift that I can outlift him is the farmer's carry. Really? Um, his deadlift is in the mid four hundreds. Like yeah. he's very strong. Um, and he's committed. Um, and he keeps saying, I'm coming for you on those farmer carries. And I just, I think it's so funny and it's not in a, a negative, like I'm going to get you, I'm going to beat yeah. you and whatever. It's just like a friendly, you know, you're doing really well. I want to do well. Yeah. Yeah. Fr- yeah. Friendly competition, I think is always, is always good. It's not, it's not about who's actually winning, but you know, if you know that Larry's like creeping up to you on those farmer's carries, like you're going to push a little harder to like get like one extra pound more than Larry just to stay ahead of him kind of thing. Right. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. And we're both really good sports about it. It's, it's pretty funny. <laughs> yeah, he, he is super inspiring though. Like I'll, I'll put Andrew's uh, Instagram in the, in the show notes here, but anyone who like, doesn't know who we're talking about, like go to Andrew's page. He's always posting about Larry every now and then Larry is a, an older gentleman who lifts very heavy weights and it's, and it's extremely impressive and extremely inspiring and, and definitely a testament to like the people who say, Oh, you know, I'm, I'm old, so I can't do that stuff. I'm too old to go to the gym. It's like, no, that's the complete opposite. You you should be going to the gym. And in fact, if you haven't gone to the gym and been in the gym, like start now because it's not getting any easier. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. How do you start to implement this mindset with some of your clients about this training for training for strength, training for performance, where it's people who come to the gym, like you mentioned about wanting to lose weight, wanting to go down to dress size, you know, whatever the aesthetic kind of thing may be. And, and the <clears> thought of 
improving strength or improving their squat or deadlifts is not even a it's not even a thought that crosses their mind just because they're totally new to this and they don't have any context for that how do you start to implement that with with some of your clients yeah i mean um of course i use my knowledge to explain to them um all the things that are at play when they're exercising um so of course you know if if you're lifting heavy weights then that's moving you closer to your goal even if that goal evolves over time and then it becomes more of a strength goal that's really nice to see because um i always find that physique goals sort of um they die out pretty quick right it's sort of not motivating um you see yourself in the mirror every day most people just don't notice those kind of changes whereas strength training is is very tangible so um using my knowledge to explain to them everything that's working here um and show them it show them excitement when they're when they're hitting new prs and we're doing so much better like praising them um so that that's sort of like oh i did do good today um and you know that's that shot of good feeling that they get with strength training and so it is a slow process especially if um you've had a few that have come in um a little bit fixated on the scale right um and with strength training that's not the most beneficial thing to look at um and over the th- two three years that i've been training them their mindset changes um because i'm sharing with them the knowledge that i have around this sort of thing um and that they they see that you know when we're celebrating oh man you're you're deadlifts up at 300 pounds you know and then they feel good about themselves and then i remind them you know you feel good about this does it really matter what you look like you know and that could be still a goal of theirs i'm not i'm not tearing that down but um it's just a nicer feeling um when you're training for performance because it's tangible um set short term and long term goals so i guess yeah the main thing is just um explaining to them what's happening why this is good um what your muscles are doing um and all the other benefits that come with strength training um changes in mindset you know better mental health all this kind of stuff right better functionality um makes you easy it makes it easier for you to do your job um less pain stuff like that very very well said i think even one of the other things that that kind of ties these together and someone someone who's in your um in your forever strength group mindy mentioned this to me and uh mindy was saying how you know, sometimes focusing on the performance stuff, even though one might have an aesthetic goal of weight loss or whatever, and that might still be something that's important for, for their health, but also just for, for what they want. Sometimes mm-hmm. focusing more on the performance side of things actually helps you be more consistent on the nutrition and the other side of stuff, because you're not, you're thinking about your nutrition as how can I fuel my performance better? And inadvertently that will help you lose weight. And like all those other stuff will happen kind of like by accident, quote unquote. Yeah. Do you find yeah. that that happens a lot, like with your clients and with the Forever Strength Group? Yeah. First of all, I love Mindy. She's so funny. She's doing very well. Yes. Um, and she she speaks nothing of, except good things about this program. So I'm, I'm really pleased that it's helping her so much. Mm-hmm. Um, I Can you ask the question again? I, <laughs> I, I don't even remember what my exact question was, but I think some, something along the lines of that where we're focusing on the performance goals actually kind of like inadvertently leads to physique changes, even though that's not the actual focus. Yeah. 
Yeah, 100%. Um, <clears throat> and then speaking about myself, like I said, I thought I was pushing myself. I was overtraining um, at the time. I was right before the gym shut down the first time because of COVID. Um, I was teaching two, three spin classes a week. I was playing rec volleyball. I was playing soccer and I was strength training three times a week. So my recovery wasn't good. Um, and I thought, oh, I look fine. What's the big deal? Right. Um, and then when I changed over to, you know what, I don't really care. I just want to be strong for the sake of my functionality, for the sake of my job and for the sake of my sport performance. Um, so that stuff, it does change your mind on, on what direction you want to go. And by having strength goals and once I was hitting them, noticing some physique changes, um, more muscular, larger legs, um, things that just come with strength training. Um, and it always, it does have an effect on how you're eating, right? Because you have a really hard leg day. You can't only eat, you know, uh, 20% less than your maintenance calories. Like that would be really tough. You get really hungry, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. So it just, it makes you want to choose better foods so that you can keep getting better in the gym, like, like Mindy mentioned, but yeah, I don't know. I guess it it does come along with it and you notice those things and you're like, oh, cool. Um, but I'm still focused on strength. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Agree. I think it, I think it comes almost like where, you know, you know that you have a, you're, you're doing legs tomorrow, let's say. And so, you know, you have the option at night. Do I want to have a bag of chips or do I want to have some other snack or, or no snack? And maybe one time you say, oh, I'll have the bag of chips. But then, you know, you sleep poorly and your leg day doesn't go as well. And it's not about, oh, the bag of chips is high calories and all that stuff. It's like, I just didn't fuel your performance as well. So next time you opt for a different snack, a healthier snack, a piece of fruit or whatever it is, and you have a better workout. And then it's like, oh, okay, that was a good thing. So let me eat healthier. That way I can squat more or, you know, chase that performance goal better. And I think that that's how these things, these things come about and how it kind of accidentally leads to, leads to the actual desired results, but framing it in that positive light of chasing performance, chasing strength. I, I, I'm fully with you that, uh, that that's the way to go for, for everyone. Yeah. Um, and an important thing about what you just said, you have to be noticing these things. You have to be tracking these sort of things. You're not just going to oh, I had a bad sleep because I had a bad sleep and that's why I didn't perform well. Right. You have to, um, be honest with yourself um, to notice these kinds of changes and and be tracking your progress and all this kind of stuff in order to notice the changes, in order to get better at them, in order to to see which direction you should go, what works better, what doesn't work as well. Um, so that's an important part. Yeah, awareness is a, is a huge key. I don't I don't know about you, but I'm still like shocked and surprised that there are people who who go to the gym. And not people who are like first day in the gym, but people who have been going to the gym who don't track their workouts. And it's like, oh, how much did you like do on this lift last week? I'm like, oh, I don't know. But what do you mean you don't know? Like, you don't even have like a close to an idea. Like, do you just make up a weight every single time you go to the gym? How do you know if you're doing anything effective? It blows my mind. Like we have, it's so easy to take notes on our phone and stuff now that just keep a rough log at least. But I, that's yeah. one of those things that just kind of like irks me about, about people who say that I haven't made any progress. Well, how do you even know? <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. I know. And I, you know what, I worked with a bunch of trainers when I was at a big box gym. Um, they didn't write down their weights for their clients. And oh. I thought, no, that's so weird. 
Um, and, you know, and they were a few years into the industry. And I thought, I know that a lot of them, because it was a women's only gym and most of the women for weight loss and, you know, they had different ideologies about how people should train, whatever. But um, I was the only one really um, training my clients for strength at the time. And then one of them asked me, so you just write down their weights every week? And I'm like, yeah, well, how do you know what they're going to do the week after? Like, how do you keep moving them up? And I, I just, again, I just thought it was so weird. Uh, yeah, you, you are being way nicer about this than <laughs> than than I would be because I, I I too know people like this. And and I just think that they're bad trainers and that, and that's it. And, and maybe they're good people and all this stuff, but like, you're paying a personal trainer a lot of money, no, no matter what it is, whether they're like on the higher end or the lower end, it's still a lot of money. And the trainer is not writing a program for you and tracking your weights at least, or your progress through that program. It's like, well, what do you, what are they doing for you? If they're not doing at least that they're then you might as well just watch a YouTube video and get a free workout because that's the same thing. It's, it's, yeah. I don't, I don't understand. It, it, it blows my mind that, that, that that's a thing, but I, but I too know people like this and yeah, it's, not not okay not good it, it's not effective you're right they're not very good at their jobs um but there's a reason that turnover rate for personal trainers is really high Absolutely. some people just can't do the job right it's yeah. about uh, wanting the best for your client and uh, respecting your client wanting them to improve and uh, constantly learning about how to help them along the way yeah yeah Super well nothing worse than I don't know. This irks me. This kind of a thing that grinds my gears. Um, when you see trainers just standing there in in during like a a rest period, not looking at their client, not talking to them, and I, again, that's just another thing that I think is so weird. This person standing beside you just to be there, that just seems like it would make your workout seem longer. Mm -hmm. And then of course, if things take, if you think it takes longer than it needs to take. It just in your head because you're so bored or unhappy with what's going on, you're not going to want to come back. So yeah. again, that's just not providing a good environment for them to want to return to in order to be consistent. Yeah. Or, or even worse, I'll one up that is trainer just walks away completely during the, <gasps> during the rest or during the set. And it's like, what, what is that? I have almost, yeah. I have almost at other gyms where I'm just like working out there, I see a trainer with a client and they just like walk away mid set and go talk to their friend on the other side of the gym. I've almost just jumped in and like tried to spot this client because they were about to drop a dumbbell on their head and it was a very weird situation, but we don't have to get too much into that. <laughs> Maybe I'll tell you after the recording, but, <laughs> but yeah, the, the bar is unfortunately very low, but to people who are listening, like if your trainer doesn't have a workout program for you, and, and ask them, like demand that, like, just ask what's, what's my program? What is my, what does my training program look like? What are our goals? And you know, what are the weights that we're using and all this stuff? If they don't have that answer for you, like red, that's red flag number one. And, and so, you know, there's, there's plenty of good people out there. The internet opens up all these things, especially, you know, things like uh, Bailey and Andrews, the forever strength group, which, which I want to give you a chance to, to speak about now. Like it's a, it's a group training program where you guys have all uh, have designed the program for everyone. I'll just stop explaining it. Talk about the forever strength program. Yeah, I'll explain it. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So essentially it's for intermediate lifters. Again, it is tough to coach a group of people, let alone online of beginners, how to move properly. So it's for intermediate lifters that have been lifting for it probably at least a year. They don't want to squat deadlift, um, all those compound movements um, that are looking for 
strength gains. You know, they're looking for some sort of path to follow. They want an idea. They want to make progress, um, have some consistency, and as well as support. So, of course, there's two trainers. Um, Andrew and I are both very active on our Facebook group, which is how we um, communicate with the rest of the group. Um, and uh, as well as communication and support from the other members. The members in our first group, we had a lot carry over into the second round, and um, they're very supportive. It's awesome to see, um, especially in a world where sometimes women aren't so nice to other women for you know whatever reason. But uh, it's really nice to see. They just they're very positive, um, creating that extra support, but also expectation, right? So of course they send in their workouts every week. I'm looking at their weights, um, and we're sending in uh, updates every week so that they're constantly getting better and they know that we expect it, expect it to get it done. So uh, unless there's a serious reason, they're getting it done, right? Right. No, it, it's um, everything that I've heard about it from Mindy and from the things that you guys have shared on online it sounds sounds fantastic. And just to be clear for, for the people who are listening, it's a group training program, but it's not like you're doing a live Zoom class with all of these, uh-uh. with all of the members of the group. They're given a program and all of the members follow the same or similar program week to week. Is that correct? Yeah, uh, yeah, exactly. So at the beginning of the program, we sent out um, the outline of the program, all the information that they need for it. We have a lot of write-ups. You know, Andrew likes to write articles, so he he puts a lot of extra information in there as well as so do I. Um, and so they all run the same program, but we have substitutions for anything. And of course, uh, in the Facebook group, they send in um, questions if they don't know which substitution to make or they're having shoulder pain or anything like that. They want to know which one to switch to, or um, even just to check form. They take videos of themselves. They send it in to the Facebook group. Everyone's like, oh, yes, good job. And then me and Andrew are like, good job, but fix this. <laughs> so, Yeah. No, amazing. Amazing. And where can people find out more about that? I, d- I don't believe you guys are taking applications like at the moment, but when when might the next round be available and where can people learn more about it? Yeah, so it's a 12-week program, and we're um, this this week is week five, so we're not taking for, don't make me do math, seven more weeks. Um, it's, it's May 13th today. This episode will be out May, I don't know, sometime next week. So middle it's middle of May right now whenever you're listening to this. Okay, sure. Um, so yeah, we won't be taking applications for um, seven more weeks or six more weeks at that time. Um, or something. Yeah, okay, close enough. Yeah, but um, Andrew and I posted about it on our Instagram we are actually in the process of um, having a website made. So cross your fingers that that will be ready for um, the next round, make things a lot simpler. Everything's sort of in one place, so that'll be nice. Um, but yeah, if anyone wants to know any more information on it, they can just um, direct message either me or Andrew to ask about it. Um, and we have a few posts about it, but if you're wanting more information than I just gave now, um, definitely send us a message. Excellent. And and what's your Instagram handle? I'll put in the show notes, but just kind of rattle off your, your contact info. Yeah. Um, Instagram, Bailey Laufit. Lau is L-A-U. Awesome. And you guys have also just start, started the Forever Strength podcast, which which yeah. has been which has been a great listen. I love how you guys are doing like kind of short episodes, very mo- much more focused on individual aspects of training. So so that's that's super good. So everyone should check out that, the Forever Strength podcast as well. Yeah. Well, it started out as mostly um, wanting to 
get, just give more to the group, right? Um, so that they could get more information out of me and Andrew and, and really succeed with all of this knowledge that we're giving them. Um, and then, yeah, putting out to the public for, it's sometimes as a personal trainer, you forget that some common knowledge to us is not common knowledge to most people in the gym. Mm -hmm. um, so it's mostly just basic, um, not always beginner type stuff, but um, pretty basic information, short episodes just for, just for better knowledge. No, no. Yeah. It, it's, it's absolutely great. It's those things that like, like you said, we think to us, they're common knowledge, but to others, they might not be. And so these are the questions that, that, that real people answer, right? This are, you're not talking about some like crazy anatomy thing. Oh, the angle of your elbow needs to be 27.3 degrees. Cause like that's mm -hmm. <laughs> whatever, that's completely irrelevant to most people. It's just like, what is, what does progressive overload mean? Like, I believe that's one of your guys' episodes where it's like, this is a question that people ask. So, so yeah. So great job on that. Yeah. And it's stuff that you can apply. Yes. Right? As exactly. a, a regular person in the gym. <laughs> exactly. Amazing. Is there anything else that you want to leave the people with here in closing, Bailey? Um, no, I guess. Yeah. If you're in Edmonton and you, you're needing a little bit of extra help, Andrew, both I, Andrew and I train out of Evolve Strength South. So you can find me on Instagram, message me. Um, I do online coaching as well. So if you're not in Edmonton, but you still want a, a good trainer, then uh, I'm ready. Amazing. Amazing. Thank you so much, Bailey. Bailey Laufit on Instagram and the Forever Strength Podcast, everywhere you get your podcast. So I'll put those in the show notes as well. Um, yeah, I think that's all for today. Yeah, perfect. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's been a pleasure, Bailey. Thank you. Thank you to everyone for listening. I appreciate all of you. Um, follow Bailey on Instagram. Check out the Forever Strength Podcast at Daniel Yours on Instagram as well. Uh, like, share, subscribe to the podcast. You know, do all that thing. Rating and review goes a super long way. And um, that's all. Be a good person. Train hard. Train for strength. And uh, we'll talk to you soon.